This episode is brought to you by America's Rehab Campus. Get on the road to recovery with the best rehab in beautiful Arizona. Dial 1-833-272-7342. That's 1-833-ARC-REHAB. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now tuned in to the, the, the Archer. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to a very special episode of the ArtCast. My name is Buddha, and I am joined today by my co-host, Michaela. I'm going to bring her on in a minute, but I just wanted to kind of introduce you guys for any of the new listeners, any of the new people that we have today. We are live from the ArtCast studios. That's America's rehab campus in Tucson, Arizona. If you are a family member, needs help getting off of drugs or alcohol, I'm going to make sure that we leave all of the links to where you can find us in the description of this video, wherever it's at. YouTube, Facebook, wherever, okay? Um, I just wanted to welcome you guys on. This is actually our very first live video podcast thing that we're doing, so I'm a little bit nervous. I apologize for any hiccups or anything like that. But with the Rcast, man, we have so many people coming in, you know, men and women talking about their testimonies, things that they've experienced through their addiction to where they're at now, living a purposeful, meaningful life, sober life, full of faith. And, you know, the stories that we've had an opportunity to have are incredible. And this one is no different, but the format for this episode that we're about to listen to and watch right now is different in the sense that when we think about addictions, we solely think about drugs and alcohol. I'm sure if I asked you if you have an addiction, you could say, hey, man, you know, I have a problem with this. I have a problem with that. But how often do we think about the other things in our lives that we don't typically consider as addictions? Shopping addiction. Right. A lot of us like to go shopping, sex addiction, whatever that may mean. You know what I'm saying? What about food addiction? What about sugar? What about flour? How many of us are dealing with metabolic diseases nowadays, diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure, all of these different things? Our guest today is going to give you guys some valuable information to help you live an even better you know, more meaningful life with purpose. So stay tuned. I hope you guys love the episode. I am so excited for it and I cannot wait. Much love, guys. Here we go. Let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest for today, she's a board-certified naturopathic medical doctor who received her NMD from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Tempe, Arizona. She holds a Bachelor's of Science in Biochemistry and Molecular Biophysics from the U of A, Bear Down, and she's also the author of many books, including The Holistic Gut Prescription and the book we're going to talk about today, How to Be Healthy, Mind, Body, and Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and give a very warm round of applause to Dr. Lauren DeVille. Good morning, Dr. Lauren. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Oh, here we go. We're back. <laughs> Got the cameras working now. For everyone else out there, man, this is the, the first video podcast that we did. So bear with us. You know how it goes. So thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, your book was incredible, you know, and, and I feel like living in a sober life, regardless of what it is, like I told the listeners before, you know, when we think of addictions, we solely think about drugs. A lot of us don't really think about the other things, you know, the stuff we put into our mouth. I know Michaela has said, you know, shopping addiction, stuff like that, you know, so I think it's very important for people to look at it from all aspects. So it's an honor to have you on today, most definitely. Yes. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah. So are, are you from Arizona? I am. I'm well, kind of. I mean, originally I was from Louisiana, but I've been here most of my life. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. All mm -hmm. right. And I read in your book that you stumbled across the SCNM, I believe is the acronym, almost by accident. And then that you had realized that when you walked into the doors, that that was like what you were meant to be and meant to do. Like, can you take us back to that moment? How did you come to that yeah. conclusion? Yeah, absolutely. So I originally thought that I wanted to be a missionary doctor in Mexico, but I didn't speak wow. Spanish and I didn't know medicine. So I moved to Mexico to learn both and to get like medical volunteer experience. And while I was there, I was, you know, in the boondocks in Mexico <laughs> and they were basically giving antibiotics to everyone without examining them. And I was like, pretty sure that's not okay, <laughs> but oh, I couldn't man. quite put my finger on why. Um, so then when I came back, I spent two years, two and a half years in and out of like eight or nine different grad school programs, essentially looking for this, but I didn't know what it was called. So it was only when I actually, I was going to Phoenix to check out a DO program because I thought osteopathic medicine was supposed to be a little bit more holistic, which it is, uh -huh. at least philosophically. And on the way home, I'd heard about naturopathic medicine and I stopped by the school and walked in the doors. And literally the minute I walked in, I knew. 
this that, is this is that's it. incredible this is that's so awesome thank you yeah. so much for that you know diving into your book one of the things that i really love and and this is kind of the something that stuck out to me was removing the obstacles and supplying the bodybuilding blocks that you need to heal yourself. I think it's a very important thing that we don't think about. And I wanted to dive deeper into the nine building blocks that you talk about in the book. So the very first one that I wanted to talk about is the macronutrients. For those who don't know what macronutrients are, can you go into that a little bit? I can, but let me actually um, double down on your original statement because I think it's really important for people to understand. And there's a new piece since I've written that book that I've added in sort of like conceptually. So for most people who are basically healthy, identify and remove if there is a building block that's in the way, find out what it is and get it out of the way because the body is designed to heal itself. Then there's the component of give the body the building blocks in it and it can heal within reason. The third component really has to do with people who are really more hypersensitive. The body is designed to heal itself. Every now and then you need to boost that vital force, that vitality that God gave it to stimulate it, to actually do that work. And occasionally that's necessary for people who are really robust and young and healthy. Sometimes you don't have to do that step. But for some people that are really, you know, suppressed or they've been sick for a really long time or they're, they're hypersensitive to the entire world, sometimes you really do have to focus on that vital force component. Wow. So just want to put it out there. Um, but with respect to the macronutrients, so this is protein, carbohydrates, and fat. So when yes. we talk about what we typically eat, a lot of people are focused on counting macros. That's what they're talking about. They're talking uh-huh. about those three. And you want to make sure that you have adequate amounts of all three of them. None of them are bad in and of themselves. You just want to have real food the way God made it that's unprocessed. So okay. typically, if you just the, the typical typical uh, rule is if you shop the perimeter of the grocery store, that's where the real foods are. If you shop in those middle aisles, that's where everything that's boxed, bagged, canned, all those kinds of things that's highly processed. Avoid those if you can. Okay. All right. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, talking about the the macronutrients, I have a whole bunch of notes here, but, you know, yeah. fat, for example, I had a couple questions regarding fat, you know, good fats, bad fats, saturated trans fats and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, so can you give us an example of like what kind of fats are good? Because I know there's like a misconception that, you know, fat, you know, going back to like the 1980s, I think it was the Reagan administration talking about how, you know, everything has to be fat free or whatever. And that's not the case, right? Right. Exactly. We need fat. Fat is absolutely critical. Our cell membranes are made of fat. Our brains are made of fat. We okay. have to, we have fat that surrounds our visceral organs that's necessary, like to some degree, you don't want a ton of it, but you have yeah. to have some. It's absolutely critical for health to a point. So healthy fats, again, are fats the way that God made them, as opposed to the ones that are highly processed. So the ones you want to avoid are the ones that like the trans fats, those are made through chemical processing. And they're so, uh, let me see if I can think of how to do this with like from a chemical (laughs) standpoint. So it has to do with the orientation of your carbons. So the trans, the cis fats are where your carbons are on the same side of the cell membrane. Trans fats, they flip in the opposite direction. The reason why that's important is because those have to get incorporated among other things into your cell membranes. And if you think of your cell membranes, almost like a zipper, so they all fit together real nice and tight. And then as if they're fitting together nicely, then everything that's sticking up out of them, like all of your receptors, the information that comes in from the outside, it can get where it needs to go. But if there's, if that zipper isn't fitting together well, the signals don't translate. And then you're at the, and that's, that's really important because your cells are like the brain, like the, the wow. cell membrane is the brain of that cell. You have to be able to get the good stuff in and the bad stuff out in order for you to, to release metabolic waste and also take in the building blocks you need for healing. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So, and and I heard like, you know, when it comes to like healthy fats, you want to try and stick to foods that are, like you said, you know, natural, the foods that that God gave us, right? Because he gave us a lot of amazing things, nuts, avocados, stuff like that. Stay away from a lot of the, you know, the Burger King and the McDonald's and all of that type of stuff. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, I will say this, that the reason why those are bad, it's because of the processing. It's not the beef itself. So I'm not against any food group, at least not for everybody. Like there's certain, certain types of diets that are better for some people than others. Uh, But 
meat if it's not like agriculture industry meat, because then they end up pumping all kinds of hormones in there and the way they feed those animals is unhealthy. And so the ratio of the essential fatty acids isn't what it should be if it's like big agriculture industry. But if it's organic grass fed, grass finished, that's meat the way that God made it. And so that's, that's okay. All right. So go. Yeah. So going into like the proteins, that was that was kind of my thing, you know, is I've heard people say and if maybe you can um, fill me in on this, but I heard people say that a lot of those chemicals and stuff that are pumped into the animals are in the fat of the animal. Is that the case or is it in the meat as well? Mm-hmm. Well, the meat is marbled with the fat. So, I mean, it okay. depends on the type of meat that we're talking about, but especially if we're talking about red meat, most of the time that's not particularly lean. It's going to be interspersed. Okay. Um, so, it's going to be through. I mean, it is in the fat, but it is interspersed in that sense. But yes, you are going to have some concentration of the hormones in the, in the actual meat itself as well. Okay. So the fat is where a lot of like, if there's solvents that are involved in the processing, then that's where that gets stored for sure. All right. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's one of the you know biggest concerns having children, you know, trying to create a lifestyle change. Like you said, if you can afford going organic, if you can afford grass finished, grass fed, do it. But then I worry, you know, going to the grocery store, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, especially now with inflation, the way that eggs are and all this stuff is, you know, being so pumped up in price. It's like, how do we do that for a family that can't afford to do that? You know, like, would it be, is there safer options as far as like, you know, getting leaner meats, leaner cuts, things like that? Would that be a better option versus getting something that's more marbled in with the fat? Yeah. If you're going to go non-organic, then going leaner would definitely be a good choice. If you go non-organic, but you can still get grass fed, that's great. So then you're still going to be ending up getting some of that good component to it. And you know what? Do what you can do and pray and bless the rest because you can't do everything perfectly. We live in a toxic world. It is not yeah. going to be perfect. Like we, we can't possibly afford to buy everything organic, most of us. And even those of us who can, we're still exposed to toxins every single day. So you just do the best you can and don't be controlled by fear or anxiety of all the, because that's a toxin too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then um, what about with, with chicken? Is it the same type of things with chicken and fish? Yeah. So chicken, I really go organic with that as much as possible because that one tends to be high in arsenic if you don't go organic. So the best you can do there, and again, don't stress about it. If you can't, you can't, but you do the best you can um, as much as possible. And so with fish, go wild caught if possible. Definitely do not do Atlantic. Alaskan is generally a good choice. So if you, but wild caught is really the way to go because the farmed fish, that's the, the ones that's been cultivated by people and they end oh, up throwing man. a whole bunch of chemicals in there. Yeah. So. Just, so many people I know that eat tilapia. I'm like, Oh no, don't do that, bro. It's not good for you. <laughs> so, all right. that That's awesome. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on when it came to, you know, the, the fat portion of it was, you know, the hydrogenated oils. I know right. that, you know, they say olive oil is good for you, but for those people who are like unfamiliar with that, what would you recommend as far as cooking oils go? What should we be using? You need to have oils that are designed to go to high heat, which is saturated fat. So that's kind of against what a lot of the traditional industries, you know, recommends. But the saturated fats are the ones that are stable at high heat. You're not going to end up creating free radicals, oxidative stress as a result of that. So olive oil, like the extra virgin olive oil, ideally, it's good for you but it's really designed for low or no heat. If you're going to be cooking at higher heat, usually coconut oil or avocado oil or peanut oil or lard um, or things like that. So are going to be your, your best choice. Palm oil. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And now, you know, the, 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 the third macronutrient that I wanted to discuss, and this is where the passion for health and nutrition really started with me is carbohydrates. Yes. Now I know that uh-huh. there are good carbohydrates. Can you distinguish the difference between those? And really it has to do with processing again. So it's the carbohydrates, the way that God made them is fruits and vegetables and whole grains. So they are not bad for you as long as like your entire diet doesn't consist of just that because you still need to have variety. Now ratios might vary to some degree, but if you're doing grains and some fruits and don't make that your entire diet, because if you do, you're probably going to end up with a yeast overgrowth because that'll ultimately feed it in your gut. Um, but if you're having like a, a lot of vegetables, vegetables should be like half your plate, which is carbs. It's just good carbs and that are nutrient dense. They've got a lot of good stuff in them. Um, the, the bad carbs are the ones that are stripped of the nutrients. So usually those are in the grain family, 
but they've been stripped of the hull, which then means that essentially the hull is the fiber, which is going to slow the release of the glucose into your bloodstream. So if you just swallow it as is, then a second it hits your saliva, it's going to spike your glucose. And now you're on a roller coaster. And that's the same thing for regular sugar as well, which is also a carbohydrate, but it's a simple one. So the more complex they are, the slower it hits your bloodstream and the more your body can compensate for it. And also if they're simple white carbs, by definition, that means there's not really any nutrient density in that either. So literally all you're getting is the carbohydrate without any of the nutrition. And okay, and and you know that that's that's amazing information. You know, thinking about all of these metabolic diseases and stuff that have been coming lately. You know, and, and it seems like it's it's in the last like twenty thirty years that these have really really gotten out of control. You know, I um my grandmother and and I wrote this down because I wanted to share this. You know, I remember my grandmother. She told me that diabetes was something that was inevitable, and I grew up thinking that because of you know just predispositions of being a Hispanic person, you know, living that way, that I was predisposed to getting diabetes, hypertension. It just happens. And I remember my grandmother having a conversation with me, telling me, you know, depending on what age you get it, will determine how long you're going to live. I remember my they were worried about me because it was constant processed food. Like seriously, this is what I was raised believing. And it scares me. I lost my grandmother in 20 at the right. We, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And at the end of 2019, and she only lived about another month or so. And she passed away right after her birthday in January. And, you know, I I think about her previous life. She told me that she had a brother uh, who had passed away at like 17 years old because when Coca-Cola was real big back in the 40s and 50s, whenever it was made, I guess he was drinking cases and cases. So he ended up getting, I don't know if it was cirrhosis of the liver, but he ended up passing away from that. And her Mm -hmm. sister, my godmother, ended up getting diabetes She got her leg amputated. Of course, back then, mental health, talking about depression and stuff wasn't as as we don't talk about it as much back then as we do now. You know, so I remember her coming back from the hospital. She was depressed. You know, all the doctor told her was change your eating habits. She didn't change it. No education continued, got her second leg amputated. And when she came out of that second amputation, I mean, she her health and mental health just declined. So it's so scary to me because. You know, the, the predispositions of all these diets, when in reality, it's, it's the processed foods. And, and we're not we're, we're very stagnant nowadays compared to what we used to be the hunter gatherers. Right. Sure, yeah, that's absolutely true. And as you're telling that story, the, the verse that pops into my head is in Hosea that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And it's oh, just man. there's so much information out there that if we had it and if we knew how to utilize it, but it's not if it's not what we're taught, then we can't change anything. Yes, so, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Breaking those generational curses. That's like my biggest thing. Yeah, know. absolutely. All right. Thank you. And then going into building block number two, I, you know, the, the, the first one I really wanted to touch on a lot just because I had so many different questions, but going into the second one, micronutrients, mm-hmm. vitamins, all those types of things. Can you let people know what micronutrients are? Yeah. So micronutrients are all of the microscopic building blocks. They're not, they're not exactly building blocks. They're more like cofactors. They make your reactions work. So um, all, you have all of these processes in your body, mostly that are using macronutrients and especially protein in order to build your cells and your tissues. In order to go from point A to point B, it's, it, you have these chemical reactions and the reaction is, is produced by enzymes. Those enzymes are what make the reaction go, but all enzymes require cofactors in order to, it's almost like a lock and key kind of a thing, in order to make them do their job. Those, those cofactors are vitamins and minerals. So that's what makes them so important. And God put them in the soil so that they would then go up into the plants and then the animals would eat the plants and then we would eat the plants and the animals. And then that's how we get them. So that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, it's not that way quite so much anymore because of the way that we've done our farming practices. So if you go back into the old Testament, when God tells people that they are supposed to let the land lie fallow every seven years, nobody does that. So, and the reason why is because then the land has the opportunity to replenish itself. Otherwise, when you plant something and it's going to grab all of those macronutrients in order to make it to grow big, and it's going to suck up all of the micronutrients from the soil. If the soil doesn't have a chance to have like the, the plant break, like the mulch basically to refuel it over time, 
it ends up getting depleted and over time you're going to have nothing left. So in the big agriculture movement, we essentially just give the the fertilizer for the soil is essentially just, uh, I want to say it's CPK. I forget what the actual, or NPK or something like that. Anyway, the bottom line is that it's essentially the macronutrients for the soil only. That's it. So the soil doesn't have the micronutrients that it used to. So in theory, we should be able to get the micronutrients from our soil and from our food, just the way people have always done from the beginning of the world. But we can't really do that anymore as efficiently because it's not so, which is why now I really have everybody on a multivitamin. They, they just have to supplement for it somehow. Okay. Uh, a multivitamin and a fish oil, which is essential fatty acids, just because, I mean, technically you could get that from your food, but most people don't. So. Okay. So as far yeah. as the, the vitamins go, you know, there's so many. You can go to Target and buy some. You can get some from Costco, which is kind of my thing. When I, when I read in your book about the fish oils, you're like, if it smells fishy, it's probably not a good thing. And like, and I'm right. thinking here, oh, man, I got the big old Costco size bottle. <laughs> I'm like, I, that's probably not the one I need to be taking. Is that going to be harmful, you know, to be able to take that? Uh, well, if they're rancid, which is what you're talking about, then that does mean it's kind of converted into the pro-oxidative form, which is the same problem that you would get with cooking with olive oil at high heat. It okay. can end up creating free radicals. We've all heard of oxidative stress, right? Yes, ma'am. So essentially what that is, and the same thing with the rancid fish oils, is that so your electrons, you like to, they like to be in pairs. They like a buddy. If they ever don't have a buddy, they get really unhappy and they will steal an electron from anything that happens to be close by. And then that sets off a chain reaction. And that's how you end up with damage. So eat an uh-huh. individual electron that's unpaired. That's a free radical. It's an oxidative stressor. A- an antioxidant quenches that free radical it donates an electron so then everybody's happy and settles back down again so for that reason try not to do things that are going to be pro-oxidative because we've got enough of that in our world already um yeah all right so the fish oils they they can't even have a mild scent of fish it just has to be a really good quality fish oil is that what i'm getting from that too Ideally, yes. Okay. I mean, it shouldn't be super, it definitely shouldn't be super fishy. If it does, there's something wrong for sure. Okay. Um, so I would go high quality as much as possible, but you also could eat high quality fish, uh, you know, so that that's one of the ways you can add in flax seeds, although that's going to be more omega sixes kind of, you okay. can do grass fed meats, you can do the free range eggs. There's other ways you can get your essential fatty acids as well. But if you, I mean, a lot of people need some extra fish oil. Okay. So, yeah. Hey. What about like um, MCTs? MCT is a clarified version of coconut oil. And it's really the reason why people do MCT versus coconut oil straight up is because they're on the keto diet generally. And that one will convert into ketones really, really quickly. You don't have to go through the extra step. So it's a way of cheating and getting yourself into ketosis without messing with your macronutrient ratio. (laughs) Basically. So, I mean... It's not something that I necessarily say everybody should be on, but if you're trying to go keto and you're not in ketosis, yeah, it's a good way to get there. All right. Perfect. All right. Um, So we have, we talked about vitamins, you know, we talked a little bit about the soil. We talked about the fish oils. Let's next talk about electrolytes, especially living in Arizona. I mean, it gets 185 (laughs) degrees outside. Got to make sure we have electrolytes, right? That is right. Absolutely. And so um, there's actually a, a book that I just finished reading called The Salt Fix. And it's like by Dr. James D. Nicopolitano. I don't think I pronounced his last name right. It's a really long name, but it's fabulous. <laughs> and um, so I that one I thought was really eye-opening because he specifically talks about how you lose about 1,500 milligrams of salt for every hour that you're sweating heavily. So if wow. you're exercising intensely, you're probably salt depleted if you're not specifically putting it back in, especially if you're not eating highly processed foods, because that's where most of the salt is coming from. And a lot of us are told in the medical industry, you should restrict your salt because it's going to make your blood pressure go up. And that's kind of a mislead. That's myth anyway, to a large degree. I mean, it's, it'll do it just a tiny bit, but not nearly to the degree that we're told about. Um, and your body has all of these equilibration mechanisms so that your, your kidneys will make it so that they'll hang on to as much salt as they need. But that's, damaging if you're activating that system too much. So it's like damaging to your cardiovascular system. So it's really important to watch and make sure that you're getting enough salt, particularly if you're a heavy sweater or if you're on the keto diet, because a lot of people who are, who go keto, 
as your insulin declines, your electrolytes will plummet with them and you'll be way more. So that's the keto flu, right? When people start feeling their muscle cramping and all of that. So especially for that, it becomes very important for people living in the desert who are sweating regularly, for people who are exercising regularly. Yeah. We need to have about 3000 milligrams of salt a day and more if you're sweating. Okay. And what if you're intermittent fasting? If you're intermittent fasting, you're probably in a similar place. Now, the, the the lowest electrolyte plummet is usually at the very beginning of going on a new diet because that's when your insulin is on the decline. So once you're used to it, you're probably in homeostasis as far as your electrolytes go a lot more, but you still should watch it for sure. And I would say, you know, add some extra in there. And most people who are keto are, are, tr- are doing it because they're trying to lose weight. They're probably exercising too. So watch that. The other thing I would mention too, even if none of those things apply to you. Look at your water. So many people come in and they're drinking distilled or reverse osmosis water, which is great in the sense that (laughs) in the sense that it is stripping all of the bad stuff from the water because there's a lot as far as what's water. The problem is it's stripping the good too. So you're going to strip out all of the electrolytes and then you're not going to be able to adequately hydrate your cells. So um, my favorite approach for water is Berkey, which is a gravity system that's going to strip out all the bad stuff and leave all the good stuff, leave all your electrolytes. Wow. Never um, heard of that then, before. Mm-hmm. And there's also some systems that you can add. I think Multipure and Pure Effects, no relationship. I'm not making any money off of them, but they're, they're like uh, systems that you can attach to your faucet and it'll do the same thing. It'll strip all the bad stuff and it'll leave all the electrolytes. So okay. you still, if you've got one of those major issues with such that you're losing uh, especially salt, because that's the big one, but of the rest of your electrolytes too. On the other end, you might need to add more, but at least make sure that your water has electrolytes in it still. And if not, if you're doing reverse osmosis and it's a house system, just get some electrolytes and add it once a day. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Now, moving on to number three, and this is a very important one. I know Michaela's been studying this one a little bit, is the healthy gut. A healthy <laughs> gut. Now, how important is your gut? Well, your gut is where you're going to absorb all those building blocks that need that are that are necessary in order to heal you. If your gut's inflamed, you can't absorb the the those building blocks. So even if you've already removed the obstacle to cure, for example, if your gut is still inflamed, you're not going to be able to heal because you're not going to have the building blocks that are necessary in order for you to heal. So from that standpoint, it is absolutely critical. Now, the flip side of that, I will say, is that, um, and this is coming from somebody who wrote a book on the gut, so keep this in mind. Okay. Um, a lot of people in the functional medicine world tend to think everything goes back to the gut. I think that's a little bit too much. Like, there's, it's, it's true that the gut is an important component, but I think a lot of times that viewpoint misses the concept that there are still obstacles to cure that need to be avoided. If the mm-hmm. obstacle is still there and you do all kinds of stuff to heal the gut, you're still not going to get better. Because you've, you've got a roadblock. So you got to look at the big picture. The gut is an important component, but it's not the only one. Yeah. I like what you said there because I'm a, a firm believer, you know, and I can't recall the exact scripture, but like everything in moderation, like too much of something is a bad thing. And I know that when I've gone through like different phases of my health journey, because I do have an autoimmune disease that I'm in remission with, but you can't just focus on one thing because then you can put a strain on other parts of your body. Like when you were talking about salt, like my, I did naturopathic and prescription. So I did both routes to get healthy. And then now I'm like still fighting that battle of all the medication that I pumped through that, you know, imbalances your gut, but then there's also things that it affects. And it's so interesting because to hear somebody else say it, because I would always say to my doctor, I'm like, I can't just focus on my gut. Like there is other things that are bad. And so that's when you kind of take it into your own hands and become your own advocate to do the research to learn, you know, how you can can change and support the big picture, everything that's being influenced. I totally agree. And I think so many of us in whatever our specialty might be in medicine or any other industry, probably, we have a tendency to get tunnel vision. We see our one little area and everything fits into that. Like if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So (laughs) (laughs) you got to have like that broader perspective and see the bigger picture in order Mm -hmm. to see how together. Yep, absolutely. Okay. And, and you know, a thing that I wanted to to talk about a little bit was I know they say, I've heard people say before, I want to know if you agree with this. They say you're pretty much a, a walking bag of bacteria, especially with your, your microbiome. You have over 100 trillion in there, you know, um, 
uh, in the field that we work in with addiction medicine and you know drugs alcohol and stuff how important is you know like how does trauma play a role on your gut bacteria and your gut health are you talking about emotional trauma or emotional the, like, trauma having and, and even like you know uh, uh, like using um using like drugs things like that like I'm, I'm just curious on how that all affects because i've heard that the the microbiome is almost like your second brain and it's so closely tied to your emotions to your depression so i didn't know if there was a correlation there there is a correlation there. So about 90% of your serotonin gets made in your, depending on who you ask, it's somewhere between 80 and 90. Um, and serotonin, everybody knows of is the happy neurotransmitter that keeps you from getting depressed. Potentially. It's also has a big implication in terms of certain types of anxiety. So serotonin and dopamine are kind of like a seesaw. So they, they will kind of counterbalance one another. If your serotonin plummets, you are going to be way more prone to both anxiety and depression. So, and also insomnia because uh, wow. serotonin is the precursor to melatonin, which helps you to sleep. So all of that stuff is definitely very interconnected. If your gut is inflamed, you're not going to be producing adequate serotonin and that's going to set you up for all of this. So it's not like I always see people who have mental emotional issues that it necessarily goes back to their gut, but it can't, it is something to look for as a possibility. And certainly anytime you're dealing with any sort of illicit substances or even medications like pharmaceuticals, any of that kind of stuff, they, many of them have the potential to affect your gut flora, which then is going to affect like potentially the, the balance in there. You have to have enough good bacteria. They're your army to protect you from any sort of outside influences. And if they aren't doing their job, if you decimate that army, then you're going to have opportunists that show up. And so there's small amounts of various different types of organisms that should be kind of kept in check and they'll be okay as long as you got the army in place. But as soon as you wipe out the good guys, now they begin to proliferate and take over. And now you've got what's called an opportunistic infection. A lot of GI symptoms really are that. Some of them are true pathogens that you literally have to go in there and kill. But a lot of times it's just an out, it's just imbalance. But symptomatically, it can look very similar. Wow. All right. No, that that's awesome. I mean, it's just it's it's so interesting to me. You know, reading a, a, from different different books and stuff too. Hearing that you know, ever since the processed food industry and stuff has grown, and and all of these processed foods, like a lot of these metabolic diseases. I know you said that there's a lot of other pieces to this puzzle, but a lot, it seems like a lot of these metabolic diseases, hypertension, high blood pressure, diabetes, I've even heard people say that dementia, a lot of these different things are caused by the food that we eat. So our gut and our food and our mental health and everything's all tied together is what it seems. Yeah. Well, and they're kind of, some docs are calling Alzheimer's diabetes type three, uh, because Mm -hmm. there's huge com- component to the glucose. Now, not every case of Alzheimer's has anything to do with glucose. There's there's other kinds of obstacles to cure that can do that. But that is one of them to watch for, for sure. Wow. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. thank you very much. Um, now moving to building block number four, water, fresh air, and sunlight. All the beautiful things that God gave us. It's amazing. I actually, I've been trying to go out uh, for my lunch. I, I try and fast throughout the day. I do like OMAD or whatever, but I, I try and go out there for about half an hour and just get some sunlight for a little bit of time. Yes. I know it's I know it's important, right? It is very important. And that also spikes your serotonin levels. The sun uh, is is directly responsible for that. Also boosts your vitamin D, obviously. Although side note on that, um, so many people think that the as soon as you're out in the sun, you're making vitamin D right there. That process actually takes 48 hours and it requires the oils on your skin. Oh, so wow. if you're bathing every day, you're interrupting the process. So it's one of those reasons to either not bathe every day or else you <laughs> might need some supplementation in order to get the extra. I'll tell in my order kids to that. that. <laughs> um, yeah, the sunlight, fresh air, sunlight. I mean, it's kind of like when you're trying to detox something, if you, if you throw open the doors and you let the fresh air stream in, that's going to do a whole lot more to detox than if you shut it up and like leave everything contained in there. You know how like a musty room smells terrible yeah. because you've got those doors shut in. So just intuitively, we understand that having all of those, those natural building blocks that God gave us is important for us to be able to maintain our, our health and our, our detoxification processes too. And as far as water goes, like a lot of people aren't drinking enough, half your body weight in ounces and more if you're sweating is the goal. 
Okay. What about what about LaCroix and like the Waterloo's and stuff? Are those good for you to drink? Because I've tried to get my kids. My kids are starting to drink them more now because I try and keep them doing that versus drinking soda. I don't know if it's good for the kids or not. So don't what I heard a, a saying a little while ago, don't let the um, good be the enemy of the best. Um, so I do think that the LaCroix aren't perfect because you still got the BPA that's in the cans and the aluminum that's in the cans. So it's not ideal, but it's way better than soda. So (laughs) if that's all you can do, and I actually, I used to do LaCroix all the time and then I got my own carbonator. So like, yeah, they're not that expensive. You just filter your own water and then you, you know, the, you buy the replacement carbonator, um, cartridges every so often. That's what I do instead now so that I can avoid the extra additives and stuff. All right. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Sounds good. Number five (laughs) is sleeping. This is the one that I have the hardest time with because I want to do everything all the time. How important is sleep? Mm -hmm. Sleeping is critical. I think we all know that, Um, especially (laughs) if we don't get a whole lot of it and you can see, you know, how that affects you. Um, So I don't know the the statistic off the top of my head, but it might have been in the book um, about the number of car accidents that come from sleep deprivation uh, compared to drugs of of substance. And it's way higher. So with Mm -hmm. the people that are sleep deprived and it's our it's easy for people in our environment that it's very type A and driven to deprioritize sleep because there's more other things that we want to get done. But it is very, very important. That is critical for your adrenal function, among many other things. Oh, yeah. So adrenals are the glands that sit on top of your kidneys. They help with stress. So the, the, the core of them produce adrenaline. Outside produce cortisol. And cortisol basically helps to get your adrenaline level back down. It's your wake-up hormone. It's your anti-inflammatory hormone. And it's your stress hormone. And it's in a seesaw with melatonin. So you have to have, if you have too much cortisol all the time, that actually contributes to inflammation. And it also contributes to diabetes because when your cortisol is high in between meals, it sends a feedback mechanism to your liver and says, we need to to make more glucose in order to to keep the blood sugar stable. So the longer you're awake, there's an inverse correlation with BMI for that reason. Um, You're going to have higher glucose as a result. And also specifically for guys, they're going to be more more interested in this, that the uh, growth hormone gets released during sleep. Growth hormone is necessary for testosterone. So a lot of times guys who come in with low testosterone, it's because they're not getting enough sleep. Wow. So that's the big things too. So yeah. Um, wow. That's sleep okay. is something I'm like so passionate about. <laughs> I, um, people think that I'm like so silly about it, but like I actually went into like a deep, study of like sleep and the value of sleep and how to sleep better for like almost two years. I studied sleeping because when I got sick in college, it was actually like, I was at that point in my life, maybe sleeping three to four hours a night. That was it. And they actually said, if I had been sleeping adequate amounts, they don't think that my limes would have ever activated. So then I would have never felt what I went through. And so I was like, wow, I've got to change that. And like there are, it ebbs and flows for the most part. I sleep great, but there's people that don't sleep well at all, which is like so frustrating because they want to sleep. But I've been back on the kick where you get up as the sun is rising, let the, you know, light hit your eyes, be outside, even if it's cold, the fresh air, you know, kind of tying in the last point of how, important it is because, and I, I, I know they always say like eight hours is what you should get, but I think it also can ebb and flow to the person. Uh, I am someone that I need at least nine hours, or I feel like I have been hit by a bus. And it's like, to some people that sounds so silly, but it's just something that I know now. And I respect that my body needs a little more sleep and, you know, kind of getting your opinion on that and kind of to like, let other people know, like, okay, if I do sleep extra, it's not because there's something wrong. Your body just takes a little bit longer. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's definitely an interperson variation. And one of the tricks that I give a lot of people who struggle with this, who say that they've just got too much going on in their life and they can't. So I will tell them to figure out, like pick a day where you do not have to get up or you can avoid getting up and see how long you actually sleep. 
that becomes your baseline. So how, however many hours that is, how many can you get away with? So if somebody says that they can get away with eight, for example, so then I will say, okay, you have to get an average of eight. And whenever you get less than eight, if there's a night when you get seven, now you owe yourself an hour. You have to pay back your sleep debt somewhere in that week. So I don't care how you do it, but get it back in there because you have to have enough sleep in order for your body to heal. That's also where autophagy happens, where your body will turn over a lot of the cells, that the senescent cells that actually need to be dealt with and cleaned out. If you don't do that, there's a huge association with a cancer increase too if you don't get Mm -hmm. adequate sleep for a long period of time because your body needs that repair time. It has to have it. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so what about like if people are having a hard time sleeping and they take like melatonin? Is that something that you recommend or no? If it works for you, the one thing to to worry about with melatonin is that some people will have really weird dreams with it. Um, Mm -hmm. and some people kind of hung over in the morning. So, um, it's because of that, it's something to kind of watch for. I'm kind of a less is more kind of a girl. So generally if somebody can get away with not doing something, I, I usually try not to have more supplements on the list if you don't absolutely need them. But I always, always, if somebody's doing shift work, I don't care if they get home and they can fall asleep normally. I want them taking melatonin anyway, because melatonin is also an awesome antioxidant and it gets produced in the darkness. So if you're going to sleep in the daytime, you're not producing adequate melatonin, which means that you are going to be set up for a lot of oxidative stress and possibly cancers down the line. So I'll always have those people taking melatonin as soon as they go to bed. Oh, wow. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Uh, Another thing I wanted, you know, in your book, going into building block number six, which is exercise, I read in your book where you said too, like, you know, I'm honestly, man, I I was so excited to have you on. I was nervous. This being the first, you know, video (laughs) podcast, I wanted to make sure we didn't have a lot of hiccups and stuff. And I noticed yesterday when I got out of work, I was like, man, I I just need to get this energy out. I need to work out. But I like, for example, I went and I did like strength training yesterday and it was a lot easier for me versus if I did like a hit training or something like that. I feel like that would have affected my cortisol levels even more. Is there, is there a tie with that? Yeah. So I think what you're talking about is the fact that really intense exercise, the higher your heart rate gets up, the more cortisol you're going to, well, it starts with adrenaline. It's going to release adrenaline first. And then you have compensatory cortisol that's going to spike because you can't have unopposed adrenaline. So you're going to have more cortisol that gets released in order to bring it back down. That's okay if that's only happening occasionally and if your adrenals are healthy. If somebody's adrenals are flatlined, they really can't handle super intense exercise. It's going to make them worse. It's like flogging a dead horse. So for people whose adrenals are really tired, they need to to walk slowly and do yoga and like, you know, really gentle stuff as they're healing. Um, But HIIT exercises are great if somebody has the ability to to bounce back from that. So that's the only thing that I would say to watch for. All right. Yeah. And, and that's where the the building block number five comes in. Make sure you get plenty of rest and R&R. That's most very right. important. So mm-hmm. um, with exercises, you know, looking back at some of the clients that we have, you know, it ranges, especially now. I mean, we have 18 to, you know, older people addicted to different things. I know it's hard sometimes to feel motivated to get up and to move around. Um, what is your thoughts on even getting started? Like as far as walking goes, Do you, is walking important? Is that a good, easy way to get into it? You know, absolutely. Whatever you need to do in order to build a habit. And here's what I will often tell people if they haven't exercised in a long time and they don't feel motivated and they don't want to do it. So pick a time every day, same time. And that is your workout time. At that time, I always tell them, get up and do something. If you have a treadmill, go make yourself a cup of coffee and stand on the treadmill. Don't even turn it on. Just stand there. But like drink your coffee for five minutes, get off, Next day, get on, maybe turn it on and walk for a minute while you drink your coffee. Next day, turn it on for two minutes. Because the point is you will build a habit in 21 to 90 days, depending on the person. So it depends on how how long it might take you. But after you get to that place, that 21 to 90 days, then it becomes self-perpetuating. You don't have to work for it anymore. You just have to give yourself that bo- that boost. So, you know, find something. There's the, there's um, a fabulous book that is by Charles Duhigg called The Power of Habit. And he talks about the neuroanatomy of a habit. There is the behavior. Mm-hmm. There's, sorry, there's the trigger. There's the behavior itself. And then there's the reward. So he argues that once a habit is formed, you can't change the habit per se, but what you can do is change the behavior in the middle. You have to use okay. the same trigger and get the same reward. So his example in that book was that every day at three o'clock, he craved a cookie. And so he would then 
think about, like make, make plans for each day when three o'clock hit, what am I going to do besides go get a cookie to see if it satisfies the craving? And then if it doesn't satisfy the craving, I'll go get the cookie, but I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do differently the next day. So as he continued to try this, what he ultimately realized is that at three o'clock he was bored and he, he happened to work in a place where he had to go down to the cafeteria to get a cookie. So he was satisfying the boredom and he was actually interacting with coworkers. So once he figured that out, he went and spoke to a coworker at three o'clock, 10 minutes later, he didn't want the cookie anymore because he'd satisfied the real craving. So sometimes I'll, I'll encourage people, if you've got a bad habit or a habit that you're trying to break, then you'd need to figure out some other intermediate behavior in there in order to switch it up. So something that will give you that same concept of of reward. So it's slightly different than building a new good habit. The new good habit is pick a trigger and use that and then give yourself maybe a reward on the other end. And in my initial example, that would have been the coffee. Uh, But whatever works for you. For some people, um, they might do really well. They might really enjoy, like I'm one of these people, I really like reading. So, um, but I don't usually want to sit down and just read a book. So I do it when I'm at the gym, when I'm on the, uh, I'm, I'm on the, the exercise bike run, I'm on the elliptical or the stair stepper. I'll let myself read that book. Or when I'm doing a workout in the rest of the gym, like a, um, a weight bearing, then I'll be listening to a podcast or audiobooks. find something that makes it enjoyable for you so that mm-hmm. you'll be motivated to continue to do it. That's something that, you know, I kind of dove into. I don't know if you've read the book Atomic Habits, but it talks about just like a little bit of change will impact you over time. And I struggled. My sister got married last year and it was one of the best things ever. But I prioritized her over myself, which was that's just who I am and that's fine. But I realized like after her wedding, I'm like, okay, I need to reestablish habits that that make me feel good. And I would try for days after days to get myself to the gym and it was not an easy thing for some reason. And then I realized that if I make a shaker bottle, even if there's nothing in it, I get Mm -hmm. to pick out a cute cup every morning and I go to the gym and I was like, wow, like all it took was a cute cup, but it's like along the lines of the coffee, like just establishing something that makes it enjoyable. And I always tell myself like, you have to be kind to yourself while you're doing it. And I read the scripture in Proverbs that says, you know, gracious words are like honey, sweet to mm-hmm. the soul and health to the body. And I was like, okay, that is going to be my scripture. That is going to be what I say in the morning. And that is going to be what gets me to the gym. And mm-hmm. I love afternoon gym goers. I'm like, good for you. But I will not go if it is the afternoon. I know it has got to be directly after my quiet time for me to get it done. And I'm like, Sometimes it gets you get so caught up in what we see on the internet in you know other books that are encouraging books and aren't wrong, but mm-hmm. you can't do it every single person's way. And I think that's what's like unique about what you were sharing is it doesn't have to be a one size fits all. You just have to find what fits you. You. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right for sure. And that's helpful. All right. So, I mean, thank you so much for that information. You know, number seven is something that I know is very important, too. And this is another thing, just like sleep. It's very hard, especially with kids, is taking time for yourself and doing things for you. You know, how how important is recreation? Yeah, I mean, you have to keep in mind, like, I I understand that sometimes there's seasons of life when you have more time and there's seasons of life when you have less time. So keep that in mind to some degree. But if you find yourself so depleted that you can't actually do everything that it seems like is on your plate, uh, there's this um, handout that I stole from uh, the Seven Habits of Highly. Oh, so, uh, so in the top quadrant is urgent and important. This is things like your house is on fire. So if it, it's absolutely critical, and if you don't deal with it, it is going to be catastrophic. Yeah. Then. The not urgent, not uh, not urgent, but important quadrant, and that's where the bulk of your time should be. Those are things like spending time in the Word and spending time with your family and eating well and exercising and getting enough sleep, like all the things that you should do. But it's not urgent; like you could ignore it if you really wanted to. Then there is the urgent but not important. Those are usually other people's priorities or things that you've put on your own plate, but it actually doesn't matter that much. Um, So, and a lot of times we have to like stop and tease that apart. And then there's the not urgent, not important. And that's things like scrolling Facebook. 
Um, so I'll have people sit down and with the Holy Spirit and write, do just a brain dump of everything you do in your week. And then you sort it into the appropriate quadrant. And if you recognize that everything is in the urgent and important category, something's wrong. Like you need to restructure your life, figure out why are you always in crisis mode and what can you do in the urgent, but, or the not urgent, but important category that ends up offloading that. Maybe you need to just say no to some things, or you need to get some extra help. Or if you have a business, maybe hire an extra person or like figure out what you need to do. And the Holy spirit can give you the information that you need in order to figure that out. If you've, if most of the things are, are in the urgent, but not important, maybe you have some boundary problems. Maybe you need to tell people no and (laughs) learn how to like draw some of those lines. And if it's the not urgent, not important, you just need to jettison those things and, and reprioritize so that you put first things first, because God is never going to call us to do anything that he has not equipped us to do. And, um, in many, many cases, I will also like if somebody's in that crazy season and they're like, literally, there is nothing that can go. Everything has to stay. And I'm also super depleted. Well, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So at that point, I think it becomes a realigning your, your mentality. So the scripture says a lot about the power of words and thoughts. So it says in there that he, we can cast all of our cares on him and he can, because he cares for us and because and we have everything that we need for life and godliness in him. So if I have people write out their confessions of, I am hooked up to the infinite power source. I can do absolutely everything he calls me to do. I have all of the energy, all of the neurotransmitters, all of the resources that I need to do everything that he has called me to do. And it's amazing how that refreshes you. Yeah. But you have to, to put things in the right or order in order to figure that out. Maybe you just need to re, reorient. But some of back to the recreation question, some of that really does need, you, you have to have a buffer because sometimes things happen. You might not always have time to, you know, if, if, you, if you schedule everything back to back to back, you're going to be stressed. You need to have some buffer that's built in. And you also need to take care of yourself, do things that make you happy because you're not supposed to be constantly going, 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 or you're not going to have that bandwidth. You have to recharge just like you have to sleep. We have to have that extra time in order to feed and care for our own souls too. All right. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, speaking of not having that enough time, I know Michaela, you said that you had to go to a meeting. If it comes up and we have to, you know, I, I know you, you you're a part of it. I, I appreciate you being here with us, but just let us know and, and I can uh, you know, we'll do what we have to do. But um no, I, I think that's super important. And you know, I think about it too. As a married man, my wife and I are getting ready to celebrate 11 years of marriage uh, on the 11th of this month. Um, you know, I read in the book where you said, I believe you said something about vacations and how it's important sometimes to, that it's not the same when you go on a vacation with the kids. We love being with our families, right? But I mean, is, is it important for a husband and a wife to do things on their own as well? I think so. Absolutely. So, I mean, just because you need to make sure that you're also prioritizing that relationship, that's the core, right? Yes. I mean, that is where there's a, there's a, a relationship there that is giving the kids the security that they need. They need to be able to look to their parents and see that, that they are each other's main priority. So I think that that is absolutely important for sure. All right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Number eight is something that um, I think is, is, I've I've learned that I've had some toxic things in my life, so I'm very interested in this one, which is solid relationships. Yes, um, you know the people that we love and we keep around us. Sometimes I, re- I think you refer to them as blood suckers. Some of the people, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> some, of the, some of the people yeah. in our lives that are blood suckers. So if you could go into that a little bit, how important it is is it for us to have solid relationships in our life? Yeah. So my favorite authors on this subject are Henry Cloud and John Townsend. They've got a series called Boundaries and they they say boundaries in each various relationship. They've also got, I think it's just Henry Cloud that wrote a book called Safe People. Um, And it's about the people that are going to cheer you on and they're they're people that are on your side. Um, And in the, in the boundaries book, they talk about the verse in Galatians six, I believe it is that said that we're supposed to carry each other's burdens, but each one should carry his own load. And there's different words in the Greek for that. And the idea of we should carry each other's burdens, that implies something that is way too big for one person to carry on their own. We should come alongside each other and lift them up. 
yeah. in prayer and in whatever resources that we need in order to help that. But each one is supposed to eat a load is just like a little la- little sack that each one of us has our own. You're not supposed to pass that off to somebody else and nobody's supposed to pass theirs off to you. Yeah. And you shouldn't let that happen either. And it's appropriate for you to say, no, these are my resources. This is my time. This is my energy. And I'm going to protect those. And when somebody asks you for something, there shouldn't be an obligation for you to say, yes, there should, it should be something that is freely given. God loves a cheerful giver. So if there's any sort of sense of obligation, or if you start feeling, recognizing that there's some resentment going on, you got to stop and reevaluate that is draining your energy that you need in order to do whatever else God has called you to do in the world. So reevaluate for sure. Amen. And, and, you know, I remember that just a couple little scenarios, you know, one time, a long time ago, I heard a, overheard a client that was talking on the phone. And I remember she was talking to her significant other and uh, the significant other was upset because he could hear other men and stuff like that in the background. And I remember she ended up leaving treatment. Um, you know, and, and it's such a priority. I mean, you can't offer anything to your family or to your kids unless you get rid of that obstacle that's keeping you from being the best version of yourself. And here, you know, where we work, a lot of it has to do with the addiction. So I, I really wanted to touch on that because I know, you know, we have so many clients that leave and they go back to those same environments. Sometimes it's not only the environments, but they have the codependency issues with other family members that, you know, it's almost like if if, if this person is responsible for their happiness and they and they they kind of push like a bloodsucker they 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 kind of make this person feel like if they're not doing what they need to do you know then then it's their fault like you know they don't take any responsibility on that so that's very interesting to me yeah and so along those lines i think that um those henry cloud and john townsend really explain this very clearly in my mind anyway that you should stop and think about what things are actually under your control. If it is not something under your control, then it's not your responsibility. If it's, if it's something that's under somebody else's control, then it's their responsibility. So what's under our control or our responsibility, it's going to be our thoughts, our desires, our feelings, our, our, um, our dreams, all of those and trying to meet our physical needs. Like all of those things are our responsibility. Somebody else's thoughts, desires, expectations, that's their problem. So when we can recognize that differentiation, we can say, wait a second, I don't have to do this just because you think I should. And Mm -hmm. then it becomes a way that we can see where things are truly falling. Where are those boundary lines and which side does it fall on so that we can say whether we're going to pick it up or not. Yeah. And, and, and see, that's so interesting. And I'm looking right here. I remember, um, in your book, you were talking about the case Lillian, who, who, who said that she had a son that was on drugs and, and you were talking about, you know, how she was kind of like enabling him. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I mean, I, yeah. I just I feel like it's just so important for us to see that. I mean, thinking about that whole thing too, you know, with kids, even touching on to, you know, the, the first part, you know, my my wife and I have made some, um, you know, some crazy lifestyle changes that my kids were not raised with. And it does yeah. cause conflict, especially when dad all of a sudden is throwing out all of the processed foods. Dad is all of a sudden not eating this anymore, you know, and, and I could see where it, it causes a little bit of turmoil between me and my kids and stuff like that. You know, and as a father, we want to be there for our families. We want to be there for our kids. But there's a thin line when it comes to enabling, you know, certain mm-hmm. behaviors that they start building up and stuff. So sorry, it's a bit of a tangent, but it's just something that's just running through my head as I'm hearing you talk about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to recognize that what you put up with, you end up with. So if you allow somebody to continue to treat you in a particular way without a consequence, it's teaching them that they can continue to behave that way. Yeah. So as you you create appropriate consequence. Now, suddenly they have to make a decision of whether or not it's worth it for them to deal with this consequence or not. But if, if you're picking up somebody else's consequences for them, they're off scot-free. They can keep doing it and they're fine. You're the one with the problem. Yeah. So recognizing yeah. that difference. Oh yeah. Let's see here. The last building block, I believe we did all eight already, right? Yeah. We've done all yeah. of them. The last one. And I feel is the most important one you know, because it it brings God into the conversation is peace and a sense of purpose, how important it is for a person to feel like they have a sense of purpose. I mean, going back to the behavioral health, 
depression. You know, it, it, it's so interesting to me. It, it You know, it, it, we talk about a lot on the podcast how it's a battle. It's not a battle of the flesh. It's a battle of the spirit. And, you know, mm-hmm. so many people have so many amazing things to offer the world. But when they seclude themselves from everybody else, they're alone. It's almost like the devil's voice gets a lot louder and starts telling them, you know, you're 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 not worth this. You're not worth that. And you know, we try and talk about that a lot. It's like, you know, understand how the devil works and understand of putting on the armor of God, you know? And I think a lot of that has to be with connecting with him and understanding where your sense of purpose comes from and that peace in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So um, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs comes to mind with this one. I think I might've put that in the book where the idea is it depends on each level of getting your needs met will take the bulk of your attention. So at the, the very minimum, if you're not, if there's no oxygen, that is the priority. You don't need to find a bathroom. You don't need food. You need oxygen. And as soon as the air is available, now you're going to start thinking about your food and your shelter and those kinds of things. Yeah. And you work your way up. Once you've met some of the basic needs, now suddenly you get to this place of needing that sense of, of higher con- higher connection and higher purpose. That's ultimately where we all need to go. Once we've got like the basics of our functionality established, that's where he ultimately wants us to be. And once we've got health and available, once we've got ourselves where we need to be, that's the very next place that our brains go. And I think that's why a lot of, I mean, arguably, the depression and anxiety have so much have been so much higher in westernized societies where we've got a lot of our our physical needs met because we have the time to stop and think about it all all of the things that we're lacking yeah. but there's you know the the god-shaped hole kind of a concept that is the only place that fulfillment is going to be found he is the one that sustains us and if we don't go Amen. for that if we don't actually make that connection with him everything is ultimately going to seem futile and empty so mm-hmm. absolutely that is completely critical, I think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's one of the hardest things, you know, talking about is, you know, we have people and you have to understand, like you're coming from so much trauma in their life, so many different circumstances, which lead them here um, mm-hmm. into our facility, you know, and for a lot of people, they deal with religious trauma. They deal right. with um, a lot of different things. So I, I, I always tell them, you know, you don't have to necessarily believe in what I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in that, you know, but find something greater than yourself. Because another biblical thing, I don't know the scripture off the top of my head, but it's a house built on sand. You know, no storm, any storm that comes is going to knock that house down. But someone who builds their foundation on rock, that house is going to be able to withstand any storms that the world throws at them. And I think that's yep. very important, right, for somebody to have that sense of purpose. And, I mean, how could we just yeah. feel like we live a whole life and we die and that's it? Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah, there's that. And then there's also the concept of if whatever problem you might encounter in life, if you feel like you're literally alone, it's all on your shoulders, of course you're going to be anxious. Of course you're going to be depressed. Like there, we have to have this sense of there's somebody bigger that I can relax, I can rest on, I can rely on, I can trust because Peace is found in complete trust in God. Isaiah talks about that in uh, Isaiah twenty six three. Um, that perfect peace comes when you when you re- when you completely rela- rest and rely upon Him. If you don't have that, then you're always going to be tossed about and have that that complete lack of of mooring and anchoring. But as far as people who have religious trauma are concerned, I agree. Usually, I will just say, look, pursue a higher power. God's going to show Himself to you. Like He'll mm-hmm. He. He can take it from there, <laughs> like, yeah. whatever, as long as you're seeking. Right. Mm-hmm. Man, that's awesome. Michaela, did you, were you going to throw something in there? Sorry, I didn't know if you were going to talk. You just have to plant the seed. Like once that seed is planted and, and sometimes, you know, I've talked about this on our, our podcast in the past, people that have gone through religious trauma sometimes just need to be met where they're at of someone that still believes in God. And once they can see that like, hey, I'm not judging this for you. I'm not going to shove it down your throat. Right. But if you have a question, let's talk about it. But let's go back to the word and find the answer in God's word instead of this world's word. Because it's the imperfect people that typically are creating these religious traumas and not actually what you can you know, hold it to the back to the Bible. 
Exactly. And I mean, honestly, if you, if you take somebody back and you tell them to just read the gospels, Jesus was the least religious guy ever. Like he was completely anti-religious in as far as the establishment goes. He's so beautiful. If you, just, you know, if people will just go back and read who he was, how yeah. can you not love him? I just, yeah. Yep. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, I love that. And, you know, one of the, the greatest things I say it all the time because it just it, it centers me is where two or more gather, you know, in his name, he is there. So, you know, I hope and pray that for everyone who's watching this, you know, thank you. Like I said, first of all, for tuning in. But I really hope that, you know, you guys have learned some incredible, incredible information, some valuable information that's going to help you guys through your life of, of living a sober life and trying to continue, you know, creating a whole new life for yourself. That's all we could ask for um dr lauren what do you have coming up i mean you got to make sure that we put those links in there so they can get your book and check you out sure yeah well i am the host of the podcast christian natural health and those come out every week so you can follow me there and um yeah i'm and I, you can find me online uh naturecurefamilyhealth.com or drlaurendeville.com and whatever i'm gonna i've got going on will pop up there that is so awesome, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Michaela, thank you guys so much. God is amazing. We didn't run into a lot of issues. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm just very, very excited. Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm round of applause one more time for Dr. Lauren DeVille. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, you know, I will I will let you know when this comes out. I'm really excited. Got to start getting on my video editing skills now. So yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. But awesome. yeah, no, for thank sure. You so for much. sure. Yeah, sure. absolutely thank you guys all righty much love god bless you okay thank you for coming on god bless thank you bye-bye What's going on, everybody? This is Buddha from the Rcast, and I just wanted to thank you for checking out this week's episode. It means a lot, and if you could share it with a friend or a loved one, somebody you need in recovery, or maybe somebody who just needs that little bit of extra positivity in their life, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you would like to join us here on the Rcast, either in the studio live or online, hit us up. The links are down in the show notes of this episode, and on there, you can find direct links to our main website here at America's Rehab Campus and all of our social media platforms. Follow us. We keep the posts positive and motivational, focused on recovery, health, and wellness. As you know, in this modern day and age, we need as much love as possible, y'all. And as always, if you or somebody you know is in need of substance abuse treatment, please don't hesitate to give us a call. We're open 24 hours a day, and our direct phone number is 1-833-272-7342. Once again, that phone number is 1-833-272-7342. I hope you all have a beautiful rest of your day. Much love, and God bless. Peace.